You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Just a couple of thoughts this morning as we reflect the event that was just recorded by John in the Gospel of John, um, a testimony of Jesus. Over 2,000 years ago, a man that walked the earth, taught incredible things, had amazing insights, did unexplainable miracles, a man who seeked to raise the value of the poor and disadvantaged while also challenging the elite and religious, a man who spoke about generosity, having true joy and meaning in our life and giving us a way to live both now and eternally. At the age of 33, only getting the chance to do three years of public ministry, he was crucified. No fault found from the secular governance at the time, but the crowd wanted him dead. The religious offended mostly, well, by lots of things, but mostly his claim to be God, to be the Messiah. In this passage just read, we see a man beaten, This man, beaten, mocked, then stripped and hung on a cross to die. And then finishes it by giving up his spirit. Any other moment, if this was any other story, any other death, there's been a lot of deaths. In fact, everyone else that has lived before us has died. Any other moment, that should have been the end of the story. That should have been the end. That should have been a non-event. We shouldn't even be talking about it now if just someone dies, even if they were seemed pretty awesome. Just another dude claiming to be God. And now he's dead. We know that not to be the case, though. That's why we're here. No other event, no other death, no other symbol like the cross has affected mankind has shaped humans like this man called Jesus, or humankind like this man called Jesus. So as we gather this morning, just for a short time, what does this man, this event, this symbol have to do with you this morning? If you're going to get up today and go to church twice on the weekend on a Friday, or be even dragged along to an Easter service by your friend or your mum or grandmother, then you probably want to know what does this have to do with you right now this Friday. Firstly, before I get to that, I want to tell the story of another man, a man called Don Ritchie. But look at your faces, you're like, who's Don Ritchie? <laughs> and it's not, a, it's not a surprise, he's not that well known. Um, and then here's a photo of Don Ritchie. Still not ringing any bells, people trying to work out if he, past member here, trying to work it out. You, won't, you probably won't know who he is, that's okay. But let me tell you about Don Ritchie. 40 years ago, around 40 years ago, Don Ritchie moved to Sydney. And he moved to the, the entrance of Sydney Harbour. Uh, semi-retiring, looking to retire fully. He brought this beautiful house overlooking the bay on a cliff. Um, where he could sit on his veranda of a morning, have a cup of coffee... And just watch the bay or watch the, and, and just watch, yeah, just sit and look at the water. What a way to semi or fully retire for Don. What he didn't know is the property he had brought, 
that overlooked this gate and this fence and this cliff from the 1800s has been the place that people chose in Sydney to end their lives. Um, so he didn't know that when he bought the property. Not so peaceful all of a sudden. Very different. In fact, so bad was the problem that the local council put $1.7 million in federal funding to build a higher fence and bring in security. I lo- I, that's another whole sermon, and I'll bring it up in a minute, but just think about the response there for a second. Oh, people are ending their lives. We'll build a high fence so they can't climb it. Just, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, that blows me away, that point alone of that's the response. But what did Don do? Well, he couldn't build a fence. He couldn't control these people. He couldn't actually even take away the suffering. He didn't probably even know their situation or how to solve it. But what he decided to do is each time he'd see someone hanging around there a bit too long or in a strange hour, he would go down and say, how you going? I've got coffee or tea brewing up at the house. Do you want to come up and chat? Do you want to? He would come down and offer them a cup of tea. As of, I believe, 2018... He has saved up to 500 people. He's got piles of letters and things and, and presents and gifts and things saying, thank you so much for inviting me up for a cup of tea. You saved my life. I imagine there's been more than that. That's a rough estimate, about 500 people. By simply sitting with them in the mess, sitting with them in the confusion and chaos and offering to be present with them in that moment. As I read through the article a couple of times on Don's life, one thing actually shocked me, but shocked me that it didn't shock me at first. And that was that one of the stats was a person would take their life from this cliff once a week. When I first read it, I read over that, okay. Read it again. And we often brush over stats like that. We don't want to talk about it. Fair enough. But this world is full of suffering. It's a weird thing to say amen to. <laughs> but amen, this is, this, we are, it's full of suffering. Underneath the Facebook profiles, underneath the makeup and dresses or the suits and ties or artificial smiles, life can be hard sometimes. Sometimes we can experience unimaginable pain. Not only that, we live in a wacky time in history. I think everyone says that, but I feel like we live in a wacky time in history. Just turn on the news and we live in a confusing, strange time. And so it's no wonder, as a pastor, I get this question more than nearly every other question. Where's God in all of this suffering? Where's God in all of the confusion? How come he allows it? Why doesn't he stop it? James is an army chaplain, I guarantee, gets this question, comes up a fair bit with the things, the guys he sees. Why does God allow this? What, what, where is suffering? What, why, where, why does God allow suffering? We're halfway through the Alpha course with three different groups at this church. 
And again, the number one question coming out of that, there's been a bunch of questions, but the number one question has been, where's God when it hurts? Why does God allow suffering? The reason it's asked and the reason it'll continue to be asked because it's a really hard question, both to think about and to answer. And so don't get too excited this morning. I'm not going to be able to answer it fully this morning in this sermon. In fact, I truly believe the true mechanics of that question can be answered by one person, and that's when we're face-to-face with God and saying, hey, this point in my life, I know you were there, but just explain it to me. But I didn't just tease you with a question just to tease you Easter Friday. Rather, I believe this morning the cross has something profound to say to the suffering or challenges or confusion in your life this morning. The cross has something profound to say this morning to you today on Good Friday. Let me explain. Hindu, Buddhist, Islam, paganism, any other religion or most other religions don't address suffering. It's an uncomfortable question, so they just think we won't talk about it or they give ideas about escaping from it. You know the term of reaching nirvana, escaping the pain of the world. They don't address this stuff. New Age spirituality will tell us that it's not real, actually, that pain and suffering is an illusion. If you'll just rise above it, you'll be okay, they'll tell us. Or if you vibrate on a higher level, you can rise above pain. Our secular religion, humanism, consumerism, alcoholism, drug addiction, they'll tell us when you reach suffering, when you come through hard times, hide from it, build a bigger fence, escape, ignore, distract, drink till you forget, party till you ignore it. Whatever you do, whatever you do, all the religions, all our faith, all our belief systems, all of it say this one theme is this. Whatever you do, don't look or address the pain, (laughs) the hurt, the confusion or brokenness, or if you like the sin of this world. Whatever you do, don't address it. Just escape it, distract from it. In fact, it's becoming increasingly uh, in the media, in any time, where you're not even allowed to talk about the hard things of life. You kind of get in trouble if you start bringing up those things. The world doesn't know what to do with the trials and challenges we face. We'll build a bigger fence, they said. That's what we'll do. These people in our area are suffering so bad, let's build a bigger fence. They don't know what to do with it. Luckily, we have phones so we can look at them instead of considering how truly broken the world is. This is why the cross, Christianity, Jesus, in this season is so powerful. Right through the Word of God, almost in every single book, it talks about suffering. The Bible does not ignore the hardships of life. It does not ignore the challenges. It does not ignore the suffering. It talks freely and descriptively about the pain of this world. 
It even tells you where it started. It even tells you where the disconnection with the perfect, with the right, with God started. And in the peak of the narrative in the Bible, in John, we see God die. A God who experiences friends abandoning him, people accusing him, people lying and rising against him, mocking him, spitting on him, and to the point of him suffocating and bleeding out on the cross. Here we see something unique to anything the world or any other faith-based belief system can offer. A God who doesn't invite us to escape it, distract us from it. A God who doesn't always even remove the pain in this time. But a God who is at work in the pain, sitting with you in the suffering. Smack bang stirring in the middle of it. Just like Don, who walks down from the balcony, down to the cliff, and asks a person approaching if they'd like a tea. Jesus, it says, in Philippians, it says, while we were still sinners, still in our confusion, our pain, still worshipping our other gods, trying to escape, trying to conquer something, trying to beat it, living in the curse away from God that we chose, Jesus came down, he walked, he breathed, he taught, and he suffered and died amongst us while we were still sinners. Now, I know you might be thinking this, and I know. Jesus offers more than tea. I get it. He didn't stay dead. I know that Jesus can move in your suffering. He can heal, restore, redeem, revive your life. He wants to comfort. He wants to give you a hope. He wants to give you a purpose. He actually even wants to use us so that we go and be dons into people's life and we bring him into the suffering. He wants us to go into the darkness and represent his light. I get all that. I get that God wants to give us a life both now and eternally. And that'll be a great discussion on Sunday when we celebrate that. But right now, I want to end on this this morning. Some questions this morning. What are you suffering with at the moment? What are you dealing and wrestling with at the moment? Is it a work thing? Is it a church thing? Is it a family thing? Is it a personal thing? A boss thing? A spouse thing? A sibling thing? A child, grandchild thing? What is binding you at the moment? What has you trapped and chained? Lust? Anger? Greed? Jealousy? Pride? What has you trapped? What weighs on you heavy this morning? Or what is the Spirit telling you stirring in with you this morning and what are you doing with it are you ignoring it trying to escape it pushing it down taking it out on others blaming others rightfully or wrongfully drinking it out of the way drugging it out of the way working your way out of it meditating your way out of it boasting your way out of it positively thinking your way out of it maybe even doing charity to try to ease your soul with it 
If that's you, listen to this, try it. Go ahead if you think that's going to work, but I guarantee the entire human history suggests <laughs> that it doesn't work. It won't work in the long run. It won't work. But Jesus does. Jesus is in there with you. Jesus is stirring amongst it. And yes, he can do some cool things with it on Sunday. <laughs> Actually, any time, but we'll talk about that Sunday. But right now, what's he asking you to give? What's he asking you to give to him this Easter? You know, there's this story in uh, Matthew. Jesus wasn't alone on the cross. There was actually two other people beside him. People that we assume because they're up there and they're criminals have experienced life and know some of the other options that they can try. Two people, both suffocating, both suffering, and each make a choice. One, and we all know someone like this, in their dying breath will have a dig at someone. In their dying breath while they're suffocating, barely able to talk, will take a chance to have a go at the other guy dying. We're not naming, but we all know some people in our lives at times that you think even in their dying breath, they'll still have something nasty to say. And he totally misses what's going on. The other guy, in Jesus' death, in the pain in his own death at that time, looks at Jesus and he says, there's something different going on here. Surely you're not who they're saying you are. Surely you're something more. In his death. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. This morning, the band's going to play one more song. They're going to play it and then they can continue to just play the music underneath. And we did a similar activity if you are with us last year. But I've got pens and sticky notes here. And I'd love us to finish on just taking a moment, thinking about what your challenge is. There's no, there's no too small a challenge and there's no too great a challenge to give to God this Easter. And I'm going to ask you as as you finish up, to come and put the sticky note on the cross. Now, it's not so I can quickly read over and get all your personal deeds. You don't have to be descriptive. It is the act of thinking about it and giving it to Jesus this Easter. I'm not worried what you write. Whatever helps you, give it to Jesus. I love the bit that I forgot to actually add on the end of the verse and Jewel asked me this morning when Jesus says, it is finished, it's done. And you can give it to Jesus this morning. Alternatively, you don't know Jesus? Then start. I don't know, right on there, let's begin this. Let's do this. I've tried everything else. Maybe it's time to try Jesus. And in that case, please come and have a chat to me this morning. I'd love to introduce you to Jesus and what he can do in your life. Let me pray the band if you want to come up. I'll put these out here. You can dodge my kids. (laughs) 
And just for a moment, just have a think about what God might be stirring in you this morning, what he's asking you to give to him, what he died for 2,000 years ago and said, it is finished. I can deal with that. Let me, let me pray. And at any time during the song, I'm going to ask us to stand. Actually, let me ask you to stand now. We can sing along with the band, but at any time during the song, come on down when you're ready. Fill out that and give it to Jesus this morning. Let's make it a good Friday this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you don't ignore the pain. You don't ignore the suffering. In fact, you're the God that died. You're the God that suffered for us, Lord, coming straight into the middle of our lives, humiliating yourself for our sake. Father, this morning, let us make this a special Friday. Let us take a stand on whatever area of our life we need to give to you. Whatever area of our life we're struggling or suffering with, we need to let you into. And maybe for some of us, we need to give it to you for the first time ever or give it back to you, Lord, and let you die for it, let you deal with it, let you sit with us in it. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.